this one into the night. Jimmy Rollins is going to try for three. Here he comes. In the air, down the right field line. Way back there. On an RBI hit by Mitchie Poole. Here's the throw to the plate. It's in the air. He is. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Phillies Nation podcast. I am your host, Ty Daubert, coming at you with our NLCS preview podcast. The Philadelphia Phillies, of course, taking on the San Diego Padres as they play for the National League pennant for the first time for the Phillies since 2010. They lost to the San Francisco Giants then. They haven't won the NL pennant since 2009 when they went to the World Series for back-to-back years in 2008-2009. So definitely an exciting time for Phillies baseball, as anyone listening knows by now. The team is hot, and they're running into a Padres team that just took down the best team in baseball, at least in the regular season, in the Los Angeles Dodgers a lot of lot of storylines here. Some big stars: Bryce Harper versus Manny Machado. Everyone remembers what what that was like back in 2018, 2019, when both of those players hit free agency when they were about 25, 26 years old. Uh, some of the only superstars at the time to ever hit free agency at that age. And I think for the Padres and the Phillies, I, there was some decisions to be made over which players uh, out of those two, which player out of those two they would be signing, and. It's worked out pretty well for for both teams, so we're going to get all into it, breaking down by position, giving our predictions. As always, I have my co-host, Nathan Ackerman, to join me. Nathan, how are you doing? Are you ready for National League Championship Series Baseball? I am ready for sure. You know, I'm going to be honest, I'm a little tired. It's not 7.30 here. Uh, but you know, Ty, I would I would wake up at 4 a.m. if I had to for one of our playoff preview pods. So not a problem there, and got to give the people what they want. Also, I want to give a shout out to you and the other four or five folks who told me you're not a loser if you attend a playoff game by yourself, even if you drive two and a half hours to go to that playoff game. Uh, completely by yourself because I'm going to game two of the NLCS tomorrow. Riding solo, I'm very excited for that. And there's a chance I make a last minute plan to go to game one also because, you know, Phillies haven't played a playoff game in or an NLCS game in 12 years and I've never seen them in the playoffs. So I got to do what I got to do. So shout out to you and again, four or five other folks. Everybody told me it made me a winner and not a loser to go to a game by myself. So I had to take matters into my own hands. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with with going to see a game by yourself if it's even if it's just a random regular season game, you just have nothing to do and you know, a ticket falls into your lap for for pretty cheap or if it's a game you just really want to see and you can't convince anyone to go, people are too busy. If it if you want to go see it, go see it. I don't think anyone would would look at you differently if you do that. Make some friends in the in the stands, the people around you. Of course, if that part feels less likely, but yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess if I guess if you're going on the road, like that's a little more complicated. But in general, I, I think I think you'll still have a good time. I'm so excited! I'm running on adrenaline. All right, let, let's get into our our preview. As we mentioned, you have kind of taken the lead on these 
so far that now that we're we're on our third one, can you believe it? So I, no, I, I honestly can't. <laughs> so all right, why well, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it to you. Let's get into it. Where do you want to start with our preview? Why don't we do we we didn't do this last time because we kind of thought that the roster would be the same. Then there were some changes like Dalton Guthrie made the made the NLDS roster over Nick Nick Maton. It was obviously we didn't know David Robertson would, would be hurt, but should we do like a quick roster thing? See if there are any changes from the previous week. I guess the only difference here is that it's a best of seven now, so maybe they lean more on the pitching side. But they were already going thirteen pitchers, and like Kyle Gibson was already on the roster, so I don't know what yeah. more you could do from a pitching perspective. It sounds like Robertson is going to like test out his calf. It was, was it calf or hamstring calf? calf. Um, and they will know from there if he's ready or not. I was kind of thinking the way that uh, Zalecki framed it was like, they're going to work him out to see if he might be available. It kind of seemed to me if they're that close, like prior to game one and it's a long, you know, best of seven they might just put him on the roster if he's somewhat close yeah. in the in the in the off chance that he's back for game five or something because yes. i don't know three games of david robertson feels like more of a use than a series of kyle gibson especially if I, well gonna i i need to start a game yeah i kind of disagree with who it might be i think it'll be for nick nelson uh, mm. who who replaced him I think in the seven game series, Gibson makes a little more sense than he did in the first two series when I kind of voiced my displeasure with the decision to go with him. But I, I think in a seven game series when um, it could it could go long, I think that if there's a game early on, especially that the Phillies like get down eight runs like early, like one of the starters gets shelled or something in like the first two innings, I, I think. I think Kyle Gibson is probably the guy that you give him the ball and it's like pitch until you can't anymore. Just finish the game. And like, he's probably the guy that's most suited to do it. He's had plenty of rest. The arm, the arm is fresh. I just think he's your, he's your innings eater right now. Um, if you always to go work to it. out well, well, I, once again, it's, uh, no, yeah, it's in a spot where like, if you're down seven, eight, nine runs super early, that I think that's where you you hand him the ball. I think you're you're probably right, especially because they don't have that off day between games five and six anymore. So if it does go the go all the way to seven games, it would be five straight, which you know does things to the the pen. But like there was a spot in game four, game three against the Braves where they were winning nine to one, and it was the eighth or ninth inning, and it was like I get that you put him on the roster for if you're down big and you need to eat four or five innings, but like what if you're up by eight and you know, you're going to be playing a game four, potentially a game five. They didn't know that they would win in four at, at that point, but like that felt like a spot where they could throw him in there. Even if they're up, like they have to trust him not to blow an eight run lead, right. With two innings to go. So it felt like no, that no, was in like in, in almost every outing in September, he was giving up like six runs. Fair. Like yeah, I don't, I, I don't like, I don't know if you can necessarily. It's a little different than than a start when you're up that much. I I think just kind of the the way the game's going, like it's a little harder to it's a little harder for an offense to mount a comeback than just like put up six runs in a zero zero game. But 
yeah, it's still I like I, I if he's on the roster, I think it's only to like pitch in a blowout loss for the most part. Yeah, I guess you're right. Okay, so the roster will stay pretty much. Do you think it'll be Dalton Guthrie over Nick Maton again, or I think so. I think oh. it'll probably stay the same, but I I think I think Robertson is going to be on the roster, and uh, even even like you mentioned, even if he can only he won't go until game four or game five, it makes sense just to have him on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Plot twist, they put Derek Hall back on the roster. And who would they take off? Guthrie? Probably Guthrie. But that wouldn't make they they they're obviously not gonna do that. I liked him on the on the roster against the Braves because Truist Park had a big uh outfield to roam and he's 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 a good guy for that spot. And I think Peco Park is like pretty pretty, you know, pretty large too. So maybe it's better suited for Dalton Guthrie over Nick Mayton again. So I guess that would make sense, but yeah, I, I'm talking about. I'm not talking about Hall playing corner outfield. Yes. By the way, just to clarify. <laughs> yeah, okay, I, I don't know if that would go well in, in the spacious no. outfield. No. So the roster sounds like we'll probably stay pretty much the same. Should we go to position by position again? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, catcher, Aaron's brother versus JT Real Muto. I'm Austin even though Nola even though Aust- even though Austin Nola seems to like be really clutch in certain times and has been pretty good for the last few years. Um, JT Real Muto, I think, is the the obvious choice here. Yeah, I think that's a big edge for the Phillies too. Will Myers versus Reese Hoskins. I I kind of like thought this was closer than it initially seemed, and then I checked Myers' postseason stats, and he was two for twenty three. And I get that Hoskins isn't like much better than that but he ever since he hit the big homer in game three and he had a big hit in game one also like feels like edge to the phillies for this one yeah definitely second base jake cronenworth versus gene segura um probably cronenworth by a little bit what do you think i'd probably say the same every time i think of him i think of the homer he hit off of nola Nola. in the perfect game bid last year at petco park and you know into the crone zone which is a sweet nickname by the way near nearly nearly the greatest catch of all time by travis jankowski jankowski like that that would have that would have been yeah what a what a showing that night from joe girardi (laughs) why did did they keep nolan that long anyway i almost went to that game too but i decided to go to the next game when like hoskins went three for five with two bombs and I think he hit like a another extra base hit too. And then they were up like seven to one and then it was seven to four with the tying run up and it was like Fernando Tatis and Hector had to come in, but they closed it out. I don't know. There are some crazy Padres games. Like they, they haven't met in the, in the playoffs, but some, some Padres games stand out as just like ridiculous games. Yeah. I think, I think this, we can continue on the position breakdown yeah. but the series like should be fun i i think it'll yeah. be it'll be a good one yeah all right all right shortstop hasung kim versus bryson stott um i think i i probably lean kim yeah this one feels pretty split but I, I'm, I'm gonna go slight edge kim here i don't know stott's been swinging the bat pretty well he had the big hit eh. in game 
fair. Uh, he, he had, had, he had one. He had game, game four. Yeah. He had yes. He had a really big hit. Yeah. Um. In he had that big hit in game three, but for the most part, like he has not. He has not been great this postseason or on this regular season as a whole. Once again, it's a thing with him where I think to like the average viewer, it feels like he's doing better than his numbers show. Yeah. For whatever reason that is. Whatever. So I don't know if that actually like means a lot. Like the production is what the production is, I guess. But yeah, I'm I'm gonna go Kim. I think Kim just brings more to the plate from a a power standpoint, you know, he plays fine in the field. He can, uh, he can just do more. Stott, Stott, like Stott's good for his role, but yeah, edge to Kim there for sure. Yeah. Left field, Jerickson Profar, Kyle Schwarber. So if you're going to get anything close to regular season, Kyle Schwarber, then it's him. If you're going to get this playoff version of Kyle Schwarber that they have so far, I think almost anyone would be an upgrade in left field the way he's played over two series. Uh, not that two series define who he is. He's had plenty of postseason success in, in the past, like his 2016 world series. Um, his, the series that he put up then is like, like truly like legendary stuff to come off that knee injury, the same and then, almost never get out as as you break a drought and win the world series but right right now like i guess it's a toss-up you have to wait and see what you're gonna get yeah i would say the same which feels weird because like you know name value is like kyle schwarber by a landslide but jerkson pro far that was the former yeah that was the former number one prospect that was the former with with texas he was the number one prospect in baseball in 2012 or something like that yeah, and he's hitting three eleven in the playoffs. Um, not a lot of power there, but like, like whatever. Yeah, yeah. Mate, wash Profar versus Schwarber. I don't know. I still feel I like Schwarber's gonna gonna. Seems like he's probably do. Like, seems like he's probably do. And he he hit he hit the big double in game. Uh, I don't I don't remember if it was big, but I remember he had a double in game. I think it was four. I don't know. I guess I guess it kind of says a lot when we have to be like. He hit this one extra base hit. Yeah. <laughs> I'll go. I'll go. Well, then you factor in the defense, too. Maybe slight edge profile on this one. All right. Yeah, I, I, I don't think I can argue with that. All right. Center field. Brandon Marsh, Matt Veerling platoon they've been doing versus Trent Grisham, who is absolutely on fire in the playoffs. And yeah. I think for that reason, and maybe – just overall, you got to go Grisham on this one. Yeah, I think so. But also the, the Philly center field platoon has been playing well. Veerling gets yeah. a hit off, off Reed in game one. Marsh hits the, the yep. crucial home run that started off in, in game four. I don't think that's – probably Grisham, the way he's swinging the bat. Definitely Grisham, the way he's swinging the bat. It's yeah. definitely – it's not a knock on, on Veerling and Marsh. He's a 13-28 OPS in the, in the playoffs with – Wow. He's eight for 21 with three homers. So. Yeah, that works. Yeah, that'll that'll play. Right field. There's always one where, like, we skip it. Like, we say the names and then don't talk about it because it's just not even close. Did we do third base? Manny Machado versus Alec Bohm? I don't think we, we did. did not. Do we but... need to? <laughs> Man, I'm going to go Manny Machado. <laughs> yeah. 
the one the one I was talking about where we don't really need to talk a whole lot about it is Juan Soto versus Nick Castellanos. <laughs> pretty big, pretty big edge for the Phils there, I think. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm gonna go gonna go Soto there. Okay, designated hitter, they're doing a Josh Bell, Brandon Drury platoon versus Bryce Harper. There were some questions coming into the wild card round about whether we'd give Bryce Harper the edge in the DH race which felt weird at the time, but it also felt appropriate because he was going up against Pujols and he wasn't swinging the bat very well. At this point, I think that's pretty much put to rest. Harper hit 500 in the NLDS with a OPS above 1,500. He hit two or three homers, three homers with a double, two doubles maybe it was. He He lit the world on fire. He was the best player of the NLDS. I think that's obviously Bryce Harper there. Yeah, com- completely agree. Nothing out there. He was, he, game three, he helped along with Reese Hoskins. He helps, you know, set the set the place on fire and have everyone go nuts. Really just put the game out of reach for Atlanta. And then in game four, he adds insurance with that opposite field home run that I think almost like has gone forgotten a little bit. Yeah. So that was like a, that was like well, a huge. Eh, I mean, come on. It made it uh, eight to three instead of seven three with Sir Anthony on the mound. That's true, but still, it was like it was nice. I th- I think everyone there was there was a a nice sigh of relief when that went out. People were still a little a little nervous. And yeah, it, and he like smoked it the other way. Yeah, and if you're a believer in this kind of thing, they had scored. Oh wait, that's not even true. I was gonna say they had scored one run since the. Um, the second inning but i was getting my games mixed up the six run frame was game three not game four so it was evenly sp- yeah it was a, it was a nice homer it was a big it, it's just good to see him using the whole field i think like that's when like obviously the ball that he pulled against the cardinals absolutely smoked and then he hit he hit a ball into the gap against the braves as well in atlanta game one um, yeah, so he I, already I was think, using the whole field, but now he's doing it for. Power I just fields. think when he when he's going like really well, some of those balls that he hits to left field that usually like get down the line for a double, he's able to just like carry them out when he's yeah. really locked in. And I don't know if that's like that's. I think that's just a product of him squaring up the ball really well. Yeah, which he's doing he, right now. Yeah, for sure, he looks very locked in right now. Do you move him out of the four spot? I don't. I don't know. I I if it's working. Yeah. I, I yeah. Probably I think not. You'd probably touch roll it. with it for now. Yeah. All right. Cool. Let's go to the starting pitching side. This is where I think it gets interesting because you have you Darvish, Blake Snell, Joe Musgrove versus Zach Wheeler, Nola Suarez, and then if they use a fourth starter, which they don't really. I mean, they could go short rest, but if they use the fourth starter, it'd be Mike Clevenger probably or Bailey Falter slash Noah Syndergaard. Nah, um, they'll probably have to go four. I think, probably go I th- four. I think both both teams are going to have to go four unless I, I think guys would have to – you'd have to use like multiple guys on short rest or, or something. It would have to get really weird. I think both teams probably have to go four. And I'm pretty sure the way it's set up, I don't know if this is definitely the case for the Padres side because I can't quite recall like when everyone last pitched on each day, but I'm pretty sure the Phillies 
can go four and they're still going to have to use somebody on short rest one of these games just because the the lack of an off day kind of screws everything up. That is true. Yeah. Well, let's see. Wheeler Wheeler goes game one. Um, I guess if if Suarez pitches games three and seven, that would be short rest because there's yes. games four, five, and six between. Yes. Yeah. Nola can come back for game six. It would be um, on four days rest. Yeah. Right? Game three or the off day three, four, five. Yeah. Yep. And same with same with Wheeler for game five. But yeah, Correct. you're right. It, it, it's just yeah. yeah. So from the starting pitching perspective, I think like the one two is kind of hard to beat from a Wheeler Nola perspective. I don't know if anybody really tops that. And like maybe I yeah. do mean anybody well, well, here, the way that like the thing. DeGrom the Scherzer thing. pitched. Yeah. So like Darvish and Snell are like their one Good. two yeah. there it's their one two but like musgrove is like kind of pitching like their one right now that's and what is, yeah so i don't know if you can necessarily align it with like oh who's pitching game one two three like yeah. you're probably gonna go with like musgrove is pitching like their one right now and that that definitely adds into it yeah that's why i was thinking like the phillies probably have the one two edge but it's not it, it's not it's close enough that the edge that the Padres have for game three, which would be Joe Musgrove versus Ranger Suarez, like probably gives the Padres the starting pitching edge overall, because as you said, that's like a one, two, one for the Padres. And that's, that's tough. Yeah. And I just think, I don't know. I think this is like pretty, this, this matchup, I think it's, first of all, it's going to be, interesting to see like the the, we didn't really last series in any of these series there weren't like any matchup of aces for the most part and i think this is pretty close to the first thing that we'll get to see uh in this phillies run so far like the cardinals situation was like kind of a mess even though uh yeah even though quintana like pitched really well ended up pitching well Uh, and then freed it was freed against Ranger Suarez and Max Freed didn't even pitch well. And then I guess, I guess Wright and Wheeler would be the only one. Um, but it's like going to be two, two or three or four matchups here where it's like, like these top guys. And I, I think I'm with you where like the one, two of the, of the Phillies is better, but overall it gets a little closer. And, but I don't know. Clevenger has not pitched well. Like he is no. not. He is not what he used to be like back in the, in the Cleveland days. I'm kind of, I'm kind of struggling to to pick somebody here. Are you yeah. leaning on as a whole? I, I think if Noah Syndergaard, it can give you three or four innings the way that he looked in on, on Saturday and where he's like getting strikeouts and missing bats and he looks pretty sharp. I don't know. I think it's pretty, I think it's pretty close. Yeah, I was inclined to say, like, if three innings of one run ball, like, that's good, but I don't know if it's, like, dominant enough to swing the advantage back in the Phillies' favor. However, Clevenger, the last game he started was game one of the NLDS because they went to three against the Mets, and he went 2.2 innings and gave up five runs, four earned, six hits. So, yeah, that's not very, very great on his part. So, yeah, they probably have the game four edge. I just, like, 
Ranger Suarez does not look good right now. He didn't pitch well yeah. against the against the um Braves in game one. And like I'm still I I think it's very good for the Phillies that they wrap that up in four. Because again, if you go back to Atlanta and you have Ranger against a full re- a full rest, Max Freed like might be kind of dicey there. And I don't know if and especially when you go back to the Houston start, I know it was like a tune up and everybody was hung over, but he kind of got rocked that game too. So. Yeah. I don't know. The game three uh, is concerning to me. And I don't know if like Cindergard's going to give you enough. Cause I, I also don't think they're, they're going to want to go full bullpen game for that game four. like they did that in game in game four against the Braves, but that was because they had an off day just before that. And they, they, um, you know, they they only had one more possible game against yeah. the Braves left before another off day. And then like Nola went deep on in game three. So like they had a very rested pen and they could kind of throw all their chips on the table. Um, whereas this time game four in between a stretch that might be five straight games. And um, after after Rangers starts, which if it went anything like the last two, he's not going to give you a whole lot. So. I don't know. That, I, that, I think like, that might turn into like falter following Cindergard just because yeah. they need length. Yeah. I don't know though. All right. What do what do we think as a whole? Who has the advantage? I think it's pretty close to a wash in all honesty. In the starting rotation? Yes. I'm gonna go with the Padres, but I don't think it's it's obvious. Like I think again, I think the one two, the Phillies have the edge there, but it game three, just I, I can't get past that. Yeah, the other thing that fair. the other thing that might help the Phillies out, I don't I don't know if the Padres were going to do this, but you said Musgrove and and you're right has been pitching like their ace, and I like I don't know I kind of always thought of him as their ace, like among those three, like certainly one of their top two. But yeah, the fact that the Mets took them to three games meant that Musgrove had to pitch Game Three against the Mets, which meant that he couldn't start an NLDS game until Game Four. Whereas if they had finished that off in two, like the Phillies did against the Cardinals, Musgrove would have been saved for game one of the NLDS. And then maybe he's available for game one or two of the yeah. NLCS. So maybe like a seemingly in the grand scheme of things, um, relatively insignificant at that point, game three, obviously it's not an insignificant game, but like, you know, from a like starting pitching alignment perspective could help out the Phillies if that's, and again, maybe they would, they would have just gone with the same plan, even if he was available, but just something yeah. to consider. Yeah, Shout out for to the sure. Mets. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's go to the bullpen. This is where things are interesting here too. Cause Josh Hader is like dominant again. When the Phillies last yes. saw him, he was, um he was very good. And then they broke him and then he was pretty bad for a month or two. And now he's like Josh Hader again. Yes. Which is nice. So, but here, here's do... here's one thing. One thing about Hater though. Yeah. You you mentioned before, like this could turn into a bunch of games in a row. Yeah. Five five games in a row, right? That the thing with Hater that the Padres figured out, like when it was like, oh, he is like washed now. They figured out that he can't he can't do the same workload that he used to be able to do back in the day for the Brewers. He used to be able to give you multiple pitch on back-to-back days, do whatever you needed. He he doesn't do that anymore because he just can't – he's just not as effective in that role anymore. 
So like, he's really not pitching back to backs because he was getting shelled in them. And I think the five straight games like changes a little bit when, and I know he's not as good. He, who, the guy who I'm about to mention, he's not as good as Josh Hader when he's at his best. But when the Phillies like left-handed relief face, it can throw in Jose Alvarado can throw like every day and like yeah. multiple innings and like wrap around innings. Like that's, that changes things a little bit. I yeah. think haters when haters pitching, he's better than whoever the Phillies best reliever would be, depending who's throwing better out of Sir Anthony Dominguez and Jose Alvarado. But I Which, think, I think that like the kind of limitation these days on hater uh, does, it does change the dynamic a little bit. Yeah. Especially in the, as you said, no, no off days between games five and six. And to your point, like, yeah, haters better than, either of those two guys at their peak but it's if they're all at that at their peak it's like not that he's not that much better than the other two like those guys are like pretty much the next closest thing to automatic when they're throwing the ball yeah. to Alvarado and Anthony. so okay we can we can do the little top four thing again we've got Josh Hader Robert Suarez Nick Martinez and former Philly great Luis Garcia versus Jose Alvarado, Sir Anthony, Zach Eflin, David Robertson. If he's healthy, if not, I guess like Brad Hand becomes your fourth best option out of the pen. To me, well, between those two. Some big innings from Brad Hand this postseason. Yeah, that's true. To both me, of them, both of them, he's thrown what, two? And they were both like kind of crucial. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, to me, it'd be nice to have Robertson there. Obviously, even if he's not, I think the Phillies have a significant edge in the pen here when you consider the workload that their top guys can handle, but then just the depth beyond that. I think Sir Anthony is your number two versus like Robert Suarez, Zach Eflin versus Nick Martinez, Robertson or hand versus Luis Garcia. I think that one's probably edge Phillies there. I don't, I don't know if it's significant. Garcia has been pretty nasty. That's Um, true. I don't know. They have a good, they have a good bullpen, I think, the the Padres. I'm probably going to lean going to lean Phillies if if those guys are throwing the way they looked like in game 4, for example. Zach Athlon looked really sharp. Um Sir Anthony obviously looked amazing. Alvarado gave up a homer, but on the whole he's looked pretty good uh for the most part. I'm going to probably like lean towards the Phillies, but I still think it's like picking against Hater, even with his limitations now is tough. And they do have some, some other power arms in the back that are, that are good. Like it's not, it's, I don't think it's as clear cut as just like an obvious advantage for the Phillies. That's fair. Wouldn't it be crazy if the Phillies like rebroke Hater come full circle? That'd be funny. That'd, yeah. That'd be kind of funny. Matt Vierling and, and Alec Boehm, like they do it to him again, something like that. Yeah. Maybe throw Dalton Guthrie in the mix. He wasn't on the team then. <laughs> Big game-winning homer up of Josh Hader by Dalton Guthrie. That'd be yeah, something. that'd be funny. That, that would be real TOD vibes. Like, we, we've talked about the fact that the Phillies are the TOD because, of you know, Gene's hit against the Cardinals and the inside the Parker from JT and beating the Braves and all these kinds of things. That would be, like they're winning the world series. If Dalton got three, it's a game winning over a homer off of Josh Hader. Yeah, that would, that would be, that would be funny. So 
yeah, that's I'm leaning slight Phillies, but I I think the Padres they do have a, a really good bullpen too. Yeah, at least those four guys. Yeah. All right, quick quick recap. We've got edges for the Phillies at catcher, first base, left field. No, we went pro far. Catcher, first base. Wow, we had the Padres at second base, third base, shortstop, center field, right field, and maybe left field if you want to go pro far over Schwarber. I had the edge to the Padres in the rotation. You had more of a wash, and then we both had edge to the Phillies in the pen. That lineup is pretty... Padres advantageous, you could say. Yeah, I think so. But if I think so overall, and they've been they've been playing well, obviously they're in the NLCS. But like the last two games from the Phillies, if they're going to swing the bats like that, even as a whole, it was just one game they got shut out. But in the NL in the NLDS, if they're going to swing the bats like they did as a whole, like I think they're in I think they're in good shape. I know yeah. they kind of faced. Apparently, Freed wasn't a hundred percent, and then Strider definitely wasn't a hundred percent. And Morton got nailed in the elbow with a liner, like beginning yeah. before he blew up. So, I guess, or, or maybe the ending he blew up. I can't remember. Um, I guess you can't. Yeah, you can't discredit like what the offense did just because of the some yeah. of the issues the starters were going through. But yeah, no, I agree. If they, if they swing the bats like that, I think they're in good shape. Yeah. I want to get into some of the individual matchups in this Phillies-Padres NLCS because there are some intriguing ones. So we're going to play a little game here. I'm going to ask you to rank these six individual matchups we've got here between the Phillies and the Padres because there are some fun storylines. So we've got Harper versus Machado, Juan Soto versus Harper, Veerling versus Hayter and Bohm, the Nola brothers, JT versus Alfaro, if you want to go back to the JT trade. Also, Sixto Sanchez thrown in there, too, of course. And then Blake Snell versus Bryce Harper, obviously, the hit-by-pitch back in June. We know what that did to Harper's season. It didn't do much to the Phillies' season, to be completely honest, because they kept on rolling through that. But it'll be, you know, Harper will be stepping back in the box against the the guy that broke his um, thumb back in June at Petco Park. So... A lot of fun, like individual game within the game, games within the games. There, um, which which ones stand out to you as the most? Like, I don't know. Words. Well, you you can't leave out just like the Luis Garcia revenge series. That's true. And 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 really quickly for anyone who listened to our NLDS preview pod, maybe yeah. half jokingly, I did say it was going to be the Travis Darno revenge series, and it kind of was. He went off. Yeah. I don't know why you would ever throw him a first pitch strike because he's gonna like hit it over the fence, but it's a win for me. How about it? Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. He was he's like good. Like that guy for some reason he's like very intimidating. And he, he doesn't look like the kind of hitter in the box where you're like, oh, this guy's totally gonna take me yard, but like that that guy can play. Yeah, definitely. Darno. Yeah, he's he's good. And then he like so like he got DFA'd by the Mets and he got picked up by the Rays and then he just like became insanely goaded. <laughs> like just started hitting a ton of home runs. Yeah. I don't I don't know what it is, but he is he's definitely good. All right, moving on from from TDA. I think Machado Harper, even though it's like the obvious one, I think I think it's the obvious one for a reason. 
because you can kind of like the turnaround of both these teams started with that free agent signing and and for San Diego they made a move before that and when they signed Eric Hosmer I believe he was there beforehand and then they made a lot of moves after and they also had uh, Fernando Tatis coming up just after that signing but for the for the most part like you can look at their turnaround and it started with bringing Manny Machado and then a lot of guys after that the Phillies to say kind of similarly, like bringing in Bryce Harper was the first of a, well, not exactly. There was also some, just, just like the thing with, with Hosmer, like signing a couple of vets and Carlos Santana and Jake Arrieta the year before that you brought in some vets. It didn't really work, but it, it kind of signaled that the team was starting to get ready to compete a little bit more and, and start spending. And then, you know, that next go around, you make the run at the superstar. And that's the one that really starts to get it right. Then over a few years, took the Phillies a little bit longer to get really good. Padres in 2020 made like they won a postseason series. They were good. And then last year they disappointed. But I think the signing of, of that young superstar, whichever one either team decided to go with, um, that really kicked it off. So I think, and, and they both came up at the same time. They're around the same age. They're both. I think honestly, if both of them retired today, they'd both be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's the thing to watch. I and I I think it'll be cool to see like how both of them play on this stage. Um, it could create, I guess, some debates over like whether each team signed the wrong one, depending who plays better. Uh well, but that's the know, thing. I think, they, I think it'll they be both, fun. Yeah, they both signed the right one. Like those were both. There was all this that like who's the better free agent, who should the Phillies go for, who should the Padres go for. Though they weren't, they didn't really ever seem to be in on Harper. But you know, it was like it was that was the story of the 2019 offseason, which took three years. Um, and they've both like worked out super well for those teams. Like Machado, I think is a good fit for San Diego. Like I I, I don't want to get into this too much, but the whole like oh he's not made for Philly, like doesn't hustle enough. He's I don't know if that's necessarily the reason why, but like, I, I do think that they both, the, the contracts were good. Obviously Machado got the higher AAV. He got 30 million a year. Harper got like some, somewhere in the 25, 25. six range, but yeah, those, those deals look like they've worked out super well for both yeah. those teams. They also played they They were on the same team, team USA team along with Castellanos back when they were yeah. 19, honestly, yeah, probably as far like back as they were like 12. So Yeah. That'll that'll be a good one. I think they're they're pretty good friends, and they're both they've both been the right signings. Like yeah. if, if if you were to flip them, I don't know if either is necessarily as productive as they've been with hmm. their. I I disagree there. I actually, hmm. I actually think Machado would have worked out in in Philly. I think that people. Yeah. I think it's I think it's similar to to Harper. Like before Harper signed in Philly, people were like, they people here did not like him. They. Like for the most part, when he was on the Nationals, and maybe like the way he acted when he was younger was different. And I think that's the case for Machado too. Um, I think like either one of their styles would have worked um, for the Phillies that people would have would have bought in. I think the most important thing is just like being good. But both of them like it's a little. Both of them have like a certain flair to their game, and they have fun. Um, I think either one would have worked out, but they ended yeah. up getting. Each team got the got the guys they did, and they're meeting here, which is cool. 
Yeah, I think I think it might have been harder for Machado to handle the the 2019 through 2021 seasons because like he was with Baltimore when they were like they were decent for some of those years when yeah when he no was they were there. they were good and then he got traded to the Dodgers and like they went to the World Series and obviously he didn't play well in the playoffs there and now that entire fan base hates him but like I he was going from fairly winning teams and then he went to, he would have gone to the Phillies who didn't make the playoffs for the next three years. And it was kind of like 2019, they were supposed to end the drought, but it didn't happen until 2022. And I, I, no, I just, the think pa- Padres were the same thing. They didn't do anything in 2019 or yeah, 2021. That, that that's fair. That's fair. Sure. Yeah. I, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I think it, I think it would have worked. I don't think you can go wrong when you're trying to sign one of those two guys. That's true. At least they made the playoffs in twenty twenty. That team, playoffs. that team was good. That that series of good. the Dodgers was all time. Yeah. Um. All right. Any any other ones you're looking forward to? Nolan Nola is obvious. Nolan Nola. I was I was gonna say that's that's gonna be so awesome. I I can't imagine being their parents. Like Alex Coffey wrote a great story for the Philadelphia Inquirer about how their parents are handling this, and they were just like you know what, someone's going to lose and the other one's going to be in the World Series, which is pretty cool. So, yeah, that, that one will be exciting. I just remember the game when when they first played each other. It was like, I want to say it was last year. And Aaron, like, just reached back for 96 and it was like the hardest he had thrown all year like his his three hardest fastballs of the year up to up to that point and maybe in the season as a, as, as a whole were against Austin which was kind of cool because didn't he strike him out on three pitches and then and then Austin got a got a hit off him like the next time they played I, I think so well the last time we we saw a Phillies brother matchup and ended up with Phil Maton like punching a wall and breaking his hand yeah so <laughs> for the for the sake of a good series, hopefully neither Austin or Aaron Nola decides to like flip out and, and injure themselves for the rest of the playoffs. That would not be that would not be good for anyone. Except yeah. I guess the team they're facing because they're both pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> the Nathan yeah. thing is so funny. I'm it's sorry. Hilarious. I, I like I don't mean to laugh at someone. No, it sucks. Crazy, but just the thought the thought of him just being like so mad that he gave up a hit to his brother. Like it's something you would do when you're like 12 years old. Yeah. Well, the fact that that game, like, he wouldn't have done it if it wasn't against his brother. Like, he didn't pitch well against anybody that day. But like, that was the second to last game of the season, and the Astros had already won 100 games. It didn't matter. Yeah. I don't think he really cared other than giving up a hit to Nick. Yeah. No, I can. As someone who grew up with with younger brothers, I can definitely understand like the idea of getting a little too angry about your your younger brother beating you in in something in anything sounds like that happened a lot well, rarely come on come on yeah okay <laughs> um the other one you mentioned was that i thought was a pretty good one was juan soto versus jose Al- alvarado which is going to be a great matchup that's like that that matchup is a lock to happen at least three times in the in the in yeah. lcs no, it's gonna be it's gonna be good just because like both of them are kind of willing to like talk crap, like even like on the field. Alvarado, like this series, he had that that quote, like strike one, strike two. What was it? Best of luck, something like that. Strike one, strike two, good luck. Yes. I and and Soto, of course, it's well documented that well documented that he is willing to to 
to do the shuffle and try to get in pitchers' heads. Like that's gonna be like in a late in a late game situation, tie game or, or one run game, like that's gonna be the highest level of baseball. So the this kind of yeah. like newfound relief elite reliever against this young superstar who at like 20 years old was putting it into the seats against Justin Verlander and and mocking Alex Bregman with with his bat drop. It's gonna be it's gonna be cool. So Soto is like I know he hasn't been as good this year, and he's like, it's he's just kind of been Soto. a, it's kind of been a strange year. Like he twenty that twenty nineteen postseason run was was an all timer, and yeah. he's like he's so incredible to watch, and it'll be it'll be cool. I think Alvarado is one of the most fun relief pitchers to watch right now. The like the stuff he has, and um, just like the way the way that he's been having fun with it has been really cool. I think those two at the end of a game near the end of the near the end of a game is going to be like must see TV. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree. I, I guess we can do like predictions at the end, but like, I'm going to throw out one right here. I, I don't think that matchup's going to go well for Alvarado. I think Soto's going to get the best of him. And the reason I say that is like Alvarado is a guy who thrives off of two things. One power. He throws like one Oh one with movement, but like Juan Soto his swing is so short and so compact and his like bats of ball skills are so good that like he can catch up to pretty much anything. Like I, I don't see him getting overpowered too much from a like velocity standpoint. And then the other thing that uh, Alvarado does well is he gets guys to chase because he's throwing 91 with movement, like, you know, way out of the zone, but it starts to strike and then it moves two feet. But like Juan Soto doesn't chase like he just doesn't do that. Some of the graphics on like fan graphs or whatever these sites are like, that that show is like chase rates and the you know the things he swings at that are like right on the black and the things he takes like it's unreal there was like he didn't swing at a ball above the zone at some point last year for like the entire year and it was like well into the season and i didn't check it at at the end but like he just does not chase he makes guys come to come to him and if alvarado comes to him he has the the skills to sort of beat that so it's like you obviously have to put him in to face Juan Soto because he's your best reliever and he throws from the left side. So like that's a matchup that you have to try. But I don't know. My bold prediction number one is that Juan Soto gets a big hit off of Jose Alvarado and it it um maybe happens twice. All right. I guess I guess we can move into the into the bold predictions. I'll yeah. I'll give mine, which I to be honest did not come up with yet. Um, didn't expect to dive right into these, but I think hmm, bold predictions. I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go back to I'm gonna go back to one that I used already and it didn't work. I guess with Kyle Schwarber slumping, he's gonna hit a leadoff home run in one of these games on the road. I'm calling it. I like that. Break out of the slump a little bit. I like that. I could see it. I, I could see yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, if somebody's going to do it, it's probably the guy who led the NL in home runs and bats lead off. So <laughs> I, I don't think it's a a bad choice for me. Do you want Do you want to get into just our our series predictions and we can wrap this up? Sure. Yeah. You can go. First. Do you want to go? All right. I'll you go got first. it. So I think the series hinges on Game Three, and we talked about the starting pitching and 
how like the Phillies might have the edge in the one, two, but it's like not a huge edge because you Darvish and Blake Snell are both pitching pretty well too. And they're just really good. So I think the series hinges on game three, which is Joe, Joe Musgrove versus Ranger Suarez. However, even though that's a clear advantage for the Padres, I just like, I can't get over what the Phillies did at home against the Braves. That was a 101 win team who won the world series last year, played in Los Angeles. They played in Houston. They played in some tough places to play and they went into that stadium and they just looked uncomfortable. They looked completely flustered, completely shook. And Joe Musgrove is, and I guess like the Padres at, as a, as a whole, are the kind of team that like looks super confident right now. Nothing can really phase them. They just beat the Mets in what was, I guess, for the first two games, a hostile New York crowd. And then game three didn't sell out. So that was interesting. But then they went into, they they, they played the Dodgers. They won one of two on the road and then ended up winning three straight against them in like what was probably Dodger Stadium South because they tend to do that at uh, Petco Park. So it wasn't like they were playing the easiest environments either. However, again, I I can't get over what the Phillies did at, did at home against the 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 Braves. I think they take game three. I think Ranger beats Musgrove game three behind that crowd. I think they probably win two of three at home, and then from there, I think like the first two games are split enough that they probably go one one there, and then if they go back to Petco, you got to win one out of two. I think the Phillies win it in seven. And it's like it always feels weird to like pick a team to win in seven because that just means that they're super evenly matched and you're just tossing a coin at that point. But I think the Phillies get it done in seven. I'm hmm. I'm leaning. I kind of like don't think the Phillies will lose a home game. <laughs> like I just don't think they're going to. I, I honestly think you're right. You like you could be right that's because you're gonna get i mean you're gonna get ranger musgrove in game three which is you know like straight by the numbers by the quality of pitcher edge padres there but the first nlcs game in 12 years talked about what they did against the braves they won some unfavorable matchups there they won the bullpen game against charlie charlie morton who's like a ton of postseason experience Game four, you have like Cindergarter, Falter, and or Falter versus Clevenger. And then you got Wheeler game five. So. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm kind of. I don't. I I can't like I like almost can't believe I'm in this spot, like based on where I was at with this team, like the last week of the regular season. But, like, I almost am leaning in this moment, and I think it could change. It might change before game time. I think I'm leaning towards Phillies in, like, five games. Which yeah. feel, like, I feel almost like like I'm losing my mind saying it. But I think the way they're playing, I, I it's just where I'm leaning right now. And the Padres are really good, so maybe I'm wrong here. I would not be shocked if I'm wrong. And But if, if the Phillies... The Phillies go back home on Friday, and this series is at one-one. I I don't think they're gonna lose at home. I I really don't. I think I think so. That's my prediction. Maybe it's wrong. People can get on me if if they disagree, which is fine. Um. Before we wrap up, last thing here, 
if if the Phillies go back, they can't. If they go back home, oh two, it'll still be cool, but it'll like feel a little, a little different. But if if they go up two zero somehow, or they go just go back with a split, I think Friday Saturday, especially in these night games, is going to be like yeah, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Because that's the one. That's the one thing that in in the NLDS that they didn't get at Citizens Bank Park. These games were during the day. I guess on fr- last Friday, it got to, um, you know, the sun was down by the end of the game. But I think the night game, the night game feel on on Friday and Saturday is going to be a lot of fun. It's gonna be it's gonna be really cool. Yeah, they're gonna be tough to beat at home. Even even one out of three. I I agree. I'm I'm willing to give the Padres one game there, and then when it goes back to Petco, if you get to a game seven, it'll be Suarez versus Musgrove again, probably. I I again I think Edge Padres there. However, I think when you get to that point, the Padres bullpen is probably more taxed than the Phillies is, just because I think the Phillies runs a little deeper, and especially if you get Hater pitching in like his third straight game, I don't know if that's lockdown. So I don't know. I'm I. The, the Padres, like, I don't think people should take them lightly, and I'm not saying that that you are, but, like, as much as the Phillies feel like the TOD, the Padres have been getting a similar vibe. Maybe not as much, but, like, they're playing really good baseball. They just knocked off the Dodgers. They're super confident right now. If if Petco Park ticket prices are any indication, that stadium should be rocking, too. So I'll, I'll give them a split going back to Philly. Phillies take two out of three there. And then they find a way to get it done in game seven. But I could also see it like as you, as you, same as you, I could see it happening in five. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for this episode. Going to be, going to be a fun, just over a week going, going to be interesting. Phillies playing for the NL pennant for the first time in a long time. Everyone take it in and enjoy it. This does definitely, as everyone knows by now, this, this does not happen every day. First time since 2010, first time since 2009. If they if they pulled off, they'd be going to the World Series. So going to be cool to watch. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll have more for you coming up, and we'll talk to you next time.